A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive through Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. All eyes on the weather as we get started for a Friday headed into the weekend. How you doing, everybody? Fabulous farm beat Pam Yonke. Happy to welcome you in. Well, today, uh, the weather not as welcome as it's been for the past 48 hours. Today, everything starts changing. Good chance we're going to see a mix of rain and snow today, depending on where you are. 38, our expected high. Gets windy tomorrow and 35. Now, this is a changing weather dynamic. We'll talk about it with Stu Mocker, Ag Meteorologist, coming your way in about 15 minutes. It's that time of the year in Wisconsin. The temperatures have dropped, and you are wearing long johns and bib overalls 24-7. Spice things up at the house or the bar and deck the farm with the Midwest Farm Report. All you have to do is decorate your farm with any Christmas lights or decorations you've got lying around. Take a picture of your holiday bonanza and send it to us in exchange for a coupon redeemable for a free gallon of milk from Quick Trip while supplies last. Log on to thefarmwi.com to get more details and deck the farm this December. I remember it was just about a year ago when we were looking forward to 2020 with a lot of optimism in the dairy markets. Well, we we see how that went as nobody expected this year to go like this year has. Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. But are there greener pastures down the road? We know there's always going to be volatility. That's the name of the game in the dairy markets. But Caitlin, from what I understand, you spoke with a fella that gave you some insight, some perspective. And I'd be really curious to hear what he thinks could happen and what he makes of what has happened. That's right, Josh. This is Caitlin Riley here on the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse. And you know, right where our studio is, we border the Minnesota and Iowa dairy producers. And Minnesota Milk recently had their annual business meeting, and they enlisted the insight of a Wisconsin boy, Phil Plurd. He's the president of the services division of Dairy.com, and he's been involved in dairy market analysis, research, forecasting, and risk management activities for 20 years now. And of course, this year has been a standout when it comes to looking at market trends. We not only had the loss of dairy sales in restaurants, but we also lost the impulse shoppers who may not have had those specialty cheeses on their shopping list, but felt the urge to indulge when they saw them in the store. But there are some food groups that dairy is doing well with. And so Phil addressed the reaction from the pandemic to dairy and the path that could lie ahead for our producers and processors. Just looking at the cheese market in particular, cheddar blocks went from $2 before the pandemic to $1 to $3, back towards $1.50, back towards $3, and then now back towards $1.60. Pretty tremendous volatility. Uh, we've had one of the biggest daily declines in block cheddar. We've had four of the five top all-time biggest daily gains. We've had five of the biggest weekly changes, five of the biggest weekly declines, We've had the block barrel spread be at record levels. We've had all kinds of records we've set this year. Plurd says to understand where we are and where we're going, it's important to look at where Americans were spending their food dollars before the pandemic. Going all the way back to 2000, you can see food service spending in the United States closing the gap with with grocery stores. In 2019, in some months, we were seeing food service dollar sales above grocery sales. And so this is a nation that 
has been turning to eating in or eating out, I should say, much more than grocery stores for years. Before the pandemic, we estimated that restaurants accounted for about 50% of cheese and 45% of butter use in the United States. Cheese retail, 42, food service, 48, uh, schools, commissaries, stadiums, those sorts of things. Clearly, the restaurant trade being very important to cheese consumption. Even before COVID-19 hit in the spring, Plurd noticed a continuing trend and says, quote, never underestimate the laziness of the American consumer. And we've seen this play out in bizarre ways as this pandemic has unfolded. Late March, early April, we saw food service restaurant spending plummet and we saw grocery store spending accelerate. We saw in March grocery store sales up 31 percent and restaurant sales down 28 Restaurant sales down 55% in April. But look what's happened since then. In the month of October, we saw grocery store sales up 8% and food service sales down 7%. Now, these are still big, big numbers. But what this tells you is that Americans have made the transition to figuring out how to get food delivered to them or some way access somebody else's cooking in a way that probably seemed a little unimaginable at the worst of the pandemic in April and May. He says a lot of this can be seen in fast food restaurants. Their sales have been running up about 5% year over year. But the reality is that your average McDonald's was already doing 65 to 70% of its business through the, through the drive-through lane. So the quick service restaurants, McDonald's, Burger King, et cetera, were already set up for success in these pandemic times. The real pain was inflicted on casual dining restaurants, such as Applebee's, Chili's, those types of outlets. But he says starting in April, those restaurants saw a massive comeback in sales thanks to carryout and curbside options. But restaurants are still facing big challenges. If you look at average daily revenue, uh, one measure we we follow shows improvement, 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 and then declines here as we've seen restrictions tighten up again. We, you know, we've picked up our activity in restaurants, but we're doing it in a very different way. Uh, we're doing it through delivery and takeout. This has been good for dairy in at least one major regard. Pizza has crushed it in this environment. Quarterly same store sales results, Domino's. Um, let's face it, right? Domino's has been marketing itself as something like a technology company for the better part of two or three years, right? Just think of the advertising you see about Domino's. Do you see ads that say, hey, look, this is the best pizza on earth? Or do you see ads that say you can push four buttons on your phone and the pizza arrives? And not only that, you can track it on the map as it gets here, right? So Domino's very well positioned for this pandemic just in terms of its technology. And so pizza has done great in this environment. As we look at a world where we're using more pickup, more carryout, more delivery, we're looking at a world where questions about portability become very important. We've always talked about perishability with dairy, right? But I think portability is a huge question because I think what chefs and development people are looking at is what kind of food can I produce that holds up well in a 15, 20, 30-minute delivery environment? Another area impacting dairy is online grocery store sales. If you look at online grocery, it was about $1.2 billion in August of 2019 all the way up to $7 billion in June, $5.7 billion in August. So more or less, you know, a quadrupling five times year prior levels using some sort of online grocery, click and collect or delivery. 
29% of U.S. households are active users, up from 15% last year. Again, how well do our dairy products make the trip from the grocery store to the home? Because I think that there are some people who've tried this click and collect thing and said, hey, look, this is great. I don't have to go to the grocery store. And even moreover, the infrastructure has been so built up where the Kroger's and the Walmarts and other retailers have spent you know, a lot of money investing in making the click and collect experience pretty good. I've done it a few times. It's not bad. What does this do for specialty cheese sales? I was speaking with the head of a company yesterday that makes some specialty cheese. And they say that one of their big challenges is that they sell a lot of product by having in-store displays or in-store demonstrations, let's say, right? Where you go to the grocery store, a lot of times, especially on the weekends, you'll see somebody out there with a particular specialty cheese product on toothpicks, consumers taste it, they buy it. There's the notion of impulse buys. I love some of these Sartori Italian cheeses that are very delicious, but they're high end. How often do you have it on the grocery list? Whereas you just pass the grocery case and say, oh yeah, I'm going to spend $7 on this Merlot rubbed Bellatello cheese. I think that those are things to consider going forward. According to Plurid, grocery stores are also cutting down on the number of products that they're actually stocking. One thing that's become clear as part of the pandemic was if your product did not move in the second half of March, why do we carry it anyway? When you saw grocery stores more or less cleaned out, if your product was still on the shelf, I think retailers were asking, well, huh, do people really not like this stuff all that much? In terms of supply chain speed and efficiency and getting stuff more quickly from the factory to the grocery store, we've seen supermarkets cut down on their assortment. From a dairy industry perspective, the challenge is how do we make sure our products are still relevant? How do we make sure that that the retailers want to carry our product and allocate precious shelf space for it? Because they're allocating to what is moving more and more. It's just going to play out in in interesting ways. I think it might make it harder for specialty products to to debut. Another trend he says we need to keep our eye on is people moving. With more people learning how to work from home, many are choosing to leave their homes in the city because they don't have to worry about that commute. That means less people are swinging through drive-thrus for breakfast or visiting restaurants for lunch, but we're not completely regaining those dairy sales at home. We're losing at the restaurants, we're picking back in schools, and we're picking back up in the grocery store, but we're actually not picking up as much as we're losing necessarily by a small margin, but, but, you know, very much an issue. And so when you look at the price volatility we've seen this year, a lot of it has been about the sloshing around between one channel and the other, government purchases, and a specific shortage of cheddar cheese, which is what we price on. We've had plenty of cheese in this country. But what we're finding is we're eating a lot less stuff like feta uh, that you eat in restaurants and more cheddar because it's a familiar thing we're picking up in the grocery store. And so cheddar sales are outperforming the category, which has price implications. But when you look at overall demand, not so great. Butter is doing better. Demand is up 3%. That's not bad, but retail demand is up 10% and has been up you know, much higher at times. Uh, on average, 25% since the pandemic began. So in there too, we're baking a lot more, a lot more cookies, a lot more baking, bread, all these sorts of things. But, you know, this 10% growth in retail is not fully translating to the bottom line in overall use. I think one of the things that we're losing a lot of is cream sales in the food service space, which has implications. Plurt concludes with five key messages for dairy farmers. Number one, the only certainty here is uncertainty. There's lots of questions and there's no way to predict the answers. 
there's no playbook. The vaccine offers hope, but you know, we're still in the rollout phase. Convenience and cost dominate. Companies that make it easy and make it cheap will stay in front. And again, play to the laziness of the American consumer. How do we make sure that we're portable enough to stay in front of the consumer in their accelerated laziness? I think we all, it's easy, though, to underestimate our resilience. I mean, the, the stock market reflects that, doesn't it? I mean, normal is a long way off, but I think we'll figure out more ways to cope. Uncle Sam may be less accommodating going forward, though. The election is over. And, you know, food aid could remain a big deal. But, you know, one of the reasons that farmers got a lot of love from the White House, a lot of the states that were highly in play were ag states. That's not to say that the Biden administration will ignore farmers, but I'm not, I'm guessing the love factor won't be as big. And I think that what you're going to see at USDA is a bigger focus on the consumer side of USDA than on the farmer side of USDA. And I think that over the near term, you know, too much milk is more likely than too little. We have a lot of supply side momentum, but that, that could be a problem. But I think that by the second half of next year, we'll fix that. Finally, be proactive and not reactive. There's lots of convenient tools to manage price risk. Some are easy to use. Use them. I think that uh, it's no time to go to sleep. And I think the government's less likely to come to the rescue here in 2021 than they were in 2020. Once again, that's Phil Plurd, who recently offered his marketing insight and analysis to dairy farmers during Minnesota Milk's annual meeting. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kate Riley. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Johnson Tractor has new Case IH equipment on hand ready for immediate delivery. And 0% financing makes it really easy. Find year-end savings on in-stock Case IH combines, tractors, and planters. Johnson Tractor will sweeten the deal when you trade in your current unit. Call Johnson Tractor today and find yourself in a new Case IH for a great price. Johnson Tractor, Janesville and Judah. Johnson Tractor, from land to lawn. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Mmm, need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Mmm, right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on the last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Sounds like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. For those of you that have been wishing for a little bit of a white Christmas, or at least a change in your terrain, guess what? It's coming your way, at least I think so. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. Now, explain for folks, though, this has been a tough weather pattern to forecast, especially for Wisconsin, correct? Absolutely. I mean, this system developed way out in the southwest. U.S. pulled a lot of moisture out of the Pacific Ocean and dropped it out to the west. Now it's meeting up with some moisture streaming out of the Gulf of Mexico. So how warm is that air streaming up? How much moisture is coming with it? How far north will it push? The low itself is down around Kansas this morning. There's some rain from Kansas, Missouri, into the southeastern half of Iowa. A little light snow in western parts of Iowa this morning as well. As that low will move up towards central Illinois, I expect some rain to develop today, mixing with changing to snow. There's a winter weather advisory in effect Saturday from southwest Wisconsin up through Mineral Point, Darlington, Madison, up to Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac as well, and up toward Manitowoc. That winter weather advisory from midnight until 6 p.m. on Saturday, and that's when rain and snow will mix in that area, could be accumulating somewhat. I'm thinking about two to four inches could be the heavier mark down around Madison. Everybody else, Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac, a lot lighter, and off to the west, Boston and, and La Crosse, not seeing much snow at all, maybe just enough to tell it's there. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. Alrighty, Stu, this is a weather forecast we've got to monitor, not just today. What do you see unfolding for the rest of the weekend? Well, there's a bit of a difference with that snow more likely into Saturday and then cold air following this all in. Today, cloudy skies, some rain develops. It could be just snowflakes up at Mauston and La Crosse later today. Uh, further east and south, rain first and a few snowflakes mixing in. Upper 30s today. And northeast winds about 5 to 15. More likely overnight clouds, even some fog, a little light snow in the northwest. Rain and snow becoming all snow further east and on toward the southeast part of the state. Low 30s overnight with the northeast winds 10 to 20, gusting around 30. Saturday, cloudy skies. Rain and snow may still linger early, becoming all snow in the day. Breezy, 34. Northeast winds 10 to 20, gusting to 35. And behind this, the cool air builds in. Sunday, some sunshine returns. Low 30s for highs. In the northwest winds at 5 to 10, we could see upper 20s just to start next week, Pam. So if we do get a little accumulating snow in the southeast, it could stick around into next week. Yep, but you don't see that it's going to be widespread snow, like folks that are already getting excited about snowmobiling up north Probably not the case, huh? Up north isn't up north isn't going to add anything out of this. And made you know a little covering. Mm-hmm. That's about all. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, buddy. Have a good weekend. Appreciate you. 
You betcha. Take care. All right. Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist with the weather details you're looking for. You know, we do our best to keep you up to speed on the details as far as what's happening with uh, your forecast locally. We do that on our website, MidwestFarmReport.com. If you take a look at the very top of the uh, homepage, you'll see that your weather forecast is right there and that you can kind of make sure you're always kept up to speed on what's going on with weather near you. Uh, We have got more news coming up, including the fact that we've got a Chapter 11 bankruptcy impacting some dairy farmers. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Inheriting a farm and what to do as an absentee landowner can be difficult. There are tough questions to address, as in, when is a good time to sell? How do you find a buyer? What's the land worth? With farmlandfinder.com, you can get answers. Simply go to farmlandfinder.com to request an offer on your land. There's absolutely no cost. By getting an offer from a verified buyer on Farmland Finder, you can test the market without having to commit to selling. Request your free offer on land at farmlandfinder.com. I'm Tom Spitz. And I'm Dave Fink from Settlers Bank. We'd like to take this moment to thank you for helping Settlers Bank be the success that it is. Your trust, your business, and friendship means more than you can imagine. Whether you're financing your home or growing your business, Settlers Bank will always be here when you're ready. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. Lenders you know. Member FDIC. Equal Opportunity Lender. When you choose from several options, you're likely going to save money. That's what a family-owned, independent insurance place like ours can do. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009. Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our best is the very least we can do. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Living with a condition can sometimes be a challenge. It may take years to accept a formal diagnosis, and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan. Did you know that up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional mental health condition that also requires a comprehensive approach to treatment? ADHD guidelines were recently updated to reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. Be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening and visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's moretoadhd.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with Ada, ACO, and Chad. I don't want to brag. That means you're totally about to brag. Everything in my home matches. Matches perfectly. It's all pulled together. That's because I have my own personal interior designer. You have your own interior designer because you shop at Lazy Boy. My Lazy Boy designer can pull strings and get me custom fabrics that match, handles and feet that coordinate my personal style, and color combinations that nobody else has. Everybody can have it. You just have to start at Lazy Boy. My personal designer knows how to bring it all together without it looking all, uh, um... 
What's the word? It's not all matchy matchy. You get the idea. Of course, this kind of customization isn't available to just anyone. It's available to everyone. Unless you have a personal designer from Lazy Boy. It all comes together with Lazy Boy. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy home furnishings and decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Smog, garbage, sewers, car exhaust. Today's world puts our sense of smell on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. When you visit, your nose will instantly recognize the purity of nature. Bask in the aromatic scent of the black pine trees blowing in the wind. Detect the sweet fragrance of primroses, wild violets, and blue sage. Smell the fresh salt water in the air as waves crash into rocky shoals. When you smell these things, you're smelling the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov/refuges. That's fws.gov/refuges. The young men and women who become United States Marines come from our hometowns to become a part of something greater than themselves. This commitment represents the highest level of steadfast allegiance to the betterment of our communities, our country, and our Marine Corps. The journey will be one of the most challenging, but also one of the most rewarding. The few, the proud, the Marines. Signing on Tavon Austin. Tyler Irvin just went on IR. Is Tavon Austin the cure-all for uh, the special teams? Like, I know Brandon Bostic, what he did, yes. But is Tavon Austin the guy that's going to be like, put us at ease when it comes to, you know, kickoffs, punt returns, etc.? Well, he's a lifetime fumbler. Um, <laughs> Which isn't a good starting point, Evil. Well, he's a I, lifetime fumbler. I mean, he's, he's he's got a little more burst than these other guys, and there's clearly a reason he was, you know, a top ten pick in a, in a draft eight nine years ago, whatever whatever that was. He's got some explosion to him. He he may give those return games a, a, a touch of juice. It'll probably be just punts, Evo, not not punts and kicks when when we get to that point. But the problem is, it, it still doesn't clean up the fact. You know they're they're just not tackling on special teams. I mean, J.K. Scott wants to dance with these. Dude, what returners. was that? That's the worst thing I've ever seen. You want to know what that was? That, that that should have been a pink slip out of town. If 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 that's my team, Evo, there is no way that guy walks back into my locker room on a Monday. I'm just I'm just telling you, there, there's enough guys who, first of all, he's a lousy punter. Um, you know, he's 31st in the league right now in net. And, you know, so so not only is he a bad punter. Um, he, he has that embarrassing dance with with Keelan Cole three four weeks ago, whatever it was, and then Jalen Rager on Sunday. That's to me, you know, that that that's that's a ticket out of town. And uh, was he a fourth round pick or a fifth? What was he? I uh, he was a fifth. Fifth, I yeah, say. yeah. But I mean, even still, to draft a punter because that was also the year they took the long snapper. Um, you know, so to so so to so to even draft a punter is is bold for a lot of teams. There's only two, three punters drafted most years that, you know, at the most. And, and a lot of teams just love to go and wait and then, and then pluck them, you know, once the draft is over. Um, so Green Bay obviously felt incredibly strong about him to, to take him. Well, not, you know, we're working on our third straight year here where once, once the weather turns bad, 
he's been pretty bad. Um, he's okay usually the first half of the season and, and just okay. He's in that 15th to 20th range a lot of times. Then he just drops off the face of the earth in terms of, of gross and net when, when we get to 30-degree days. He's you know obviously from the south, an Alabama kid, and, yeah. and, and you know that level of tackling, Evo, is, is unacceptable. This, this, isn't a, this isn't a dance class. This is a... <laughs> This, this, this is the National Football League. So, but but again, you know, it it, it shouldn't get to J.K. Scott. No, they, no, they, Green no. Bay's got to find a way to tackle these people. You know, within ten yards after they they catch the football. So, you know, I I, I hate to be off on the special teams tangent, because well, you we'll are dead right. We'll that, that there is a there is a lot right now to be positive about with with, with that football team. I think the running game has reemerged. Uh, Rogers continues to really just hum along and play almost flawless football. Um, well, Rob, you, you can't get riding too high on the Packers because if the Packers are good at one thing the past decade. It's that you get your expectations up and they just bring them down, baby, in the big moments. So we got we got a reality check sometimes. You're almost better off to have a year like 2010 where they go in as the sixth seed, right? <laughs> and you're and and you're and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, maybe they win a game, maybe two, but this this probably isn't the year. The years, you know, the years are coming. You're you're right, Evil. When they're the one seed, the two seed. And you know, and Vegas has them as the favorite or the second or third, you know, highest ranked team to potentially go win a championship. That's when they break your heart. It's a lot like Badger sports, right? When football starts at the top yeah, five, yeah. right? Then they yeah. have an eight and four season, and when they, when they, when they start the year twenty third is twenty third in the polls is when they're eleven and one. They sneak up and surprise. Um, I will say this, so Evo, I'm 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 starting to get a feeling with these Packers that. And you know this just this just may be their year to get out of the NFC. I, I'll I'll say it here, Evo. I, I don't think anybody's beating the Chiefs um, unless there's a major injury there. I, I think Kansas City's a touchdown better than everybody in the league when they really decide to play. Um, and I don't think the last couple of weeks they've they you know they they've really turned it on. Um, but I I do think Green Bay is going to emerge here, Evo, as as maybe the favorite in the NFC. I, the way the the way the last four games shape up, Evo. Um, you know, with, with, with Green Bay going to be, you know, the, a touchdown or more favorite in at least three of them, and the Saints still have to play the Chiefs, I think there's a great chance Green Bay passes New Orleans, gets the number one seed, and has home field all the way through. Love it. Rob Reichel joining us right now uh, from Forbes.com, talking to Green Bay Packers. Uh, Rob, I do have this thing called the nut kick continuum. It's all about Wisconsin sports. It's always safe for big moments <laughs> where, like, the Packers, like an NFC championship game, where you think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, then some absurdity happens, like, you know, like the Seahawks game and the NFC championship game, where all of a sudden they had a 99.9% chance to win, and then someone winds up and kicks you right in the gonads and says, no, no, you're Wisconsin sports fans, you must suffer. But we'll save that for the big games, Rob. Uh, I was looking at Forbes.com, Robbie. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. How does Wisconsin's ethanol industry, all about homegrown renewable fuel, how does that relate to our upcoming COVID vaccinations and Wisconsin effectively being able to carry it all out. Well, guess what? Caitlin Riley is going to bring us the details on why Wisconsin agriculture matters. That's coming up in just a moment. I'm PM Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on this December 11th. So on this day back in 1891, Jerome Increase Case was born in New York State. Now, you probably recognize the name Case if you're involved in agriculture. He ultimately founded the J.I. Case Company in 1842, and that uh, became a major part of the construction industry, got the first steam engine for agricultural use as well. 
Again, Jerome Increase Case, born on this day in 1891. Big part of Wisconsin agriculture and agriculture overall. Well, he was a big part of the financing industry until this day, 2008. That's when Bernie Madoff was arrested. Remember that Ponzi scheme situation that took down literally millions of people, millions of investors, and a lot of charitable groups, I'm afraid, as well. And on this day in 1967, a pretty controversial film was released. Guess who's coming to dinner? Starring Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn, and Sidney Poitier. That was on this date, 1967. Happy birthday, by the way, to dancer, actress Rita Moreno, 89 years young. And now you know. Well, unfortunately, the 25 dairy farm families that are in Greene County that make up the Maple Leaf Cheese Cooperative made a difficult decision yesterday. They are filing Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Will Hughes is the consultant that's been working with them. You know, we had good news earlier this week that they had placed all of their milk, at least in temporary homes. Will Hughes says despite the fact that they've got outside interest in partnering with these dairy farmers, it was a tough call. We've had some progress on that, but the resurging COVID situation has kind of slowed people down a bit. So we hope to get back on track, and this gives us a a little bit of time and a little bit of a framework to move forward so that we don't lose uh, everything. And that's really the choice the board faced, they thought, was either an empty shell of a plant or uh, with no value or uh, making this decision. And, you know, that means sacrifices on the part of patrons in terms of getting some uh, payments for November milk and early December milk. But we're going to... move to the bankruptcy court to try to get them paid as soon as possible, hopefully before we can get that all aired out before Christmas. But it's a sacrifice that everybody's making. That's what I was just going to say. How how quickly could this possibly move for those dairy farmers that are holding bills themselves that they need to pay? Yeah, well, that's the, that's the challenge. And hopefully we can all stay together and work together, uh, use the support of the Wisconsin Farm Center between ourselves, working with their lenders if we need to. Uh, whatever it takes, we will um, get to that court with a, a request to get the patrons paid immediately. Um, but it's going to take a little bit of time, so okay. we're just going to have to work through it. And uh, I think the board felt they had no choice but to make the decision to file Chapter 11. And Again, that's a reorganization Chapter 11, it's not like the Dean Foods dissolution situation, and it's really to get us to uh, be able to get a new partner, uh, a new cheese partner, and that's the, that's the goal. It has been the goal all along, and we're just trying to position ourselves and buy some time to get there. And I'm sure the patrons are not uh, super happy right now, but they're also uh, realized that this has been a situation that we got to stay together and stay strong if we're going to come out the other end with a more promising future, and that's that's what keeps them together. Will Hughes, he's a consultant working with the 25 dairy farm families. Remember, these are small and medium-sized dairies. Nobody's got more than a couple hundred cows that make up the Maple Leaf Cheese Cooperative. I also want to remind you, they have a GoFundMe page established to try to help these dairy farmers uh, offset their expenses. Again, it's GoFundMe.com and look for Save the Maple Leaf Cheese Cooperative. On another news note this morning, the governor's announced he's allotting $3.25 million of the federal CARES money that he was given 
to ethanol producers in the state. It's all about trying to make sure Wisconsin's prepared for the COVID-19 vaccination. How do the two relate? Wisconsin's renewable biofuels industry with the vaccination program. Caitlin Riley's got an update. Secretary-designee for the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection, Randy Romanski, says the ethanol industry has had big losses during COVID-19 as people were traveling less and some plants even had to shut down. That could have impacts not only in ethanol itself, but also all the co-products and producers that they work with. In addition to producing homegrown renewable energy in the form of biofuel, ethanol production is a critical part of other important industries in Wisconsin as well. It creates demand for Wisconsin corn, and it produces CO2 as a byproduct, which in Wisconsin and other places, but it's especially important here, is critical to food and beverage packaging, as well as to the production of dry ice. Dry ice will be a crucial factor when we're looking at vaccine distribution in the pandemic. We have uh, collected some insight that we've gained through our conversation with industry partners and the Office of Senator Tammy Baldwin, who's had meetings with Pfizer officials and dry ice manufacturers. The Pfizer vaccine in particular does uh, is required to be stored at super cold temperatures that requires a lot of, a lot of dry ice. Dry ice is a key component for a, a lot of other things, too, including making sure that cultures for the cheese industry are are kept at the appropriate temperature. Romanski says they're keeping their eye on any possible supply chain disruptions. Here's what we know about that. Pfizer has said that they're going to require an additional two tons of dry ice daily. Right now, it's our understanding that they have plans to produce and distribute dry ice from one of their existing facilities. Dry ice manufacturers have, have plans in place to also help prioritize essential customer needs, in addition to making sure that there's dry ice available for vaccine distribution. And uh, it's our understanding that the dairy industry is considered one of those essential customers. From our contacts with the industry and with Senator Baldwin, dry ice manufacturers uh, have expressed the ability to ramp up production if needed. From our side, we really do appreciate the partnership of the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association and Senator Baldwin's office as we collect information and continue to monitor this really important supply chain issue. Focusing on what they can do now, Romanski says that he's grateful that they were able to quantify what's happened in the ethanol industry during the pandemic and also receive aid from the state government. We're really appreciative of of Governor Evers taking a a look at that, gathering information from the industry and and putting some dollars towards addressing some of the impacts that the ethanol industry felt this year. Maintaining the infrastructure of Wisconsin's ethanol industry is also important to position our state for future continued innovation in biofuels. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Kate Riley. Barrel cheese yesterday gained a half a cent at 142 and a half. 40 pound block cheese down a quarter at 164 and a quarter, while double A butter was unchanged. World Ag Supply Demand Report held a few surprises yesterday for traders and sent our corn and bean market lower. In overnight trade, March corn's down two at 419. January beans are now unchanged at 1153. July wheat's down four at 590 a bushel. The January fluid milk is up 21 cents, closed at 1631 a hundredweight. February milk currently four cents higher at 1730 a hundredweight. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24 7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Stay tuned as we'll be right back. 
I never thought I could afford health insurance, but I just signed up and I was surprised that it was so affordable. I found a local nonprofit with licensed experts that helped me find low-cost options and explain how my plan works. They made it easy and didn't charge me. I just wish I wouldn't have waited so long to get covered. Call the 211 helpline today and ask for health insurance help before December 15th. Or go to wiscovered.com to learn more about your options here in Wisconsin. Paid for by Covering Wisconsin. With a sweet metal roof this time of the year, the snow will slide off, keeping you from having to shovel it yourself. And it can prevent major ice dams. These are things you won't have to worry about. Contact us and get on our calendar as soon as you can. We'll help you plan for a beautiful metal roof. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a sweet metal roof. S-W-I-T-A metalroofing.com Sweet metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need I'm Dr. Linda Van Eldick, a biomedical scientist supported by the American Health Assistance Foundation. I'm dedicated to educating the public because it's important for all of us to understand this debilitating disease. I conduct research aimed at discovering new and effective treatments for Alzheimer's disease. This is critical because every 70 seconds, someone in America is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. That's more than a 1,000 people a day. Preliminary data show that exercise, a healthy diet, and keeping your mind active may help reduce your risk. At our website, ahaf.org, experts will answer your questions and address your concerns. Find out about promising research the Foundation funds and learn how to live with or care for someone with the disease. Call 1-800-437-2423 or go to ahaf.org for a free brochure on understanding Alzheimer's disease. That's 1-800-437-2423. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yes, it is that time of the year where you have to start making some decisions on the 2021 growing season. Are there any new options out there? How did this year's uh, plan work out for you, given the fact that we had fairly weather, normal weather conditions for a change? We're talking about it today with Tom Timko. He is an insurance product officer with Compure Financial. You know, that's something I think we fail to think about sometimes, Tom, how our game plan, our strategy worked in the current growing season. You know, 2020 did not present us with as many uh, weather-related challenges as we saw in 2019. How do you coach up uh, farmers that work with Compure on their crop insurance selections? How do you evaluate what uh, what the current year did for you? You know, oftentimes we like to look back at what the previous years did for us and how we utilize that. But I ask producers, producers, focus on not so much in the past, but focus on the future and what's the right choices for you for the next growing season, Pam. And speaking of the next growing season, an interesting new option that farmers are going to be able to consider this year, it is called Enhanced Coverage Option, or ECHO for short. Tell me a little bit more about this new offering, Tom. How long has it been in the works? Have you kind of been keeping an eye on it? What does it offer us? Yeah, ECO, or Enhanced Coverage Option, is a brand-new product offering from the RMA. Uh, It's an aerial-based crop insurance coverage for a portion of your underlying policy deductible, so which is a band of coverage that sits on top of your individual coverage. So ECO is very similar to Supplemental Coverage Option, also known as SCO, in that it uses the same expected and final area yields and projected and harvest prices 
which is also the same as your normal revenue policies, and they have the same payment factors. So, however, it's important to know that SCO coverage ends at 86% and is tied to FSA farm programs, whereas ECO gives you a coverage band from 86 to 90 or 86 to 95% and is not tied to FSA farm programs. So again, bands of coverage with ECO are available from 86 to 90% or 86 to 95%. Boy, and that's exciting to have it not be attached to FSA records. How did they come up with this formula then, Tom? What makes this a good risk management option? Well, we, we recognize the importance of uh, helping farmers manage some of that uh, risk that we have at those higher levels. And we feel ECL is going to be very important to the farmers' risk management strategy going forward. It's going to shrink their deductible. It's heavily subsidized. What makes ECL such an attractive option for farmers is it's going to protect you against those shallow losses you encounter throughout the crop year, albeit on a county basis. And with these low deductibles, you'll get much, those much-needed indemnities when you experience those shallow losses that individual revenue protection doesn't or can't cover. So with ECO, it's also important to note that you can leave a gap in coverage, and you don't have to buy SCO. It's also federally subsidized, so you don't have to bear the full premium like you would for a private product. Tom Timko along with us. He's an insurance product officer with Compeer, and we are talking about enhanced coverage option as a new tool for you, Crop Insurance 2021. Now, we mentioned, Tim, Tom, that there's not uh, uh, an FSA tie-in here. So how do they, I guess we'd say, weigh your yields? Is it compared to the countywide yields? Is it compared to other clients? How do they measure that up? Yeah, so when it's a county or area-based type product or program, it uses the county data, yield, starting yields, and ending yields, but it still has a formula that's based off of your APH, so that still comes into play, Pam. So the end of the year is coming up, and we need to make some decisions on things like this, Tom. Let's talk a little bit about what things I should think through to figure out if this is the right risk management tool for me. Yeah, and that brings up a good question, Pam. Because of the extended fall that we're experiencing, there's a lot of producers still wrapping up tillage, tiling, manure application, hauling in grain uh, before winter sets in, right? And right after this, we know that they're going to be focused on tax planning as well. However, one of the things they should be thinking about is a risk management strategy going into 2021. This includes marketing opportunities and how products like ECO fit in with their marketing strategy. So what questions do I need to ask myself? I mean, at first blush, Tom, you start telling me that it's uh, not going to be as uh, big a premium, uh, that I can get uh, that top end of my yield uh, covered. What operations, are aside from those high yielders, what other operations are going to really find this a good tool for their farming operation? Yep, absolutely. And, and that's critical for farmers or producers to understand how this product would fit in and help them with the risk management. So if a producer is interested and it makes sense for them, you have until the spring sales closing date of March 15th, same as your normal revenue protection type coverage programs, again, March 15th of 2021, so you have some time. So what's unique at Compure Financial, we have the technology to analyze your individual farm data to help you find the best option for crop insurance coverage. 
and we can also help you analyze how ECO would fit or work in with your individual, individual coverages that you select now. So we can help you with that. Um, just to kind of get thinking about that, uh, we ask that you visit compeer.com, C-O-M-P-E-E-R.com, backslash enhanced coverage option. This will help you find out more information and also connect with any one of our insurance officers. Excellent suggestion. Again, Tom Timko along with us, insurance product officer with Compeer. Are there any combination that you're looking at, uh, Tom, when it comes to 2021? I mean, every time that we get a new tool, uh, it may be great for part of the farm. It may not work well for all of the farm. Is this uh, ECO coverage something we think about for only part of the farmers and an all-farm option only? It's, it's, the, it's a tool that's going to be good not for all farmers, but the majority of producers. Again, we've got te- technology that we can take your yields in there and analyze your individual farm data and let you know if this new tool or product is a good fit for your operation. On the back end of that, when it comes to the final settlement evaluation, does that mean I'm still going to have to wait uh, for somebody to come out and evaluate my uh, fields individually if I want to submit a claim, or does this aerial approach make that easier too? Absolutely, and that's a good point, Pam. Uh, There's a lot of producers that are not familiar with area or county-based type programs, and this happens automatically. So we start with our expected yield is what we start out with on a county basis. Our liability is, is, is we use as your APH to determine your amount of liability. The final yield, which normally that would be what producers harvest in the fall, we actually take all the RMA data, so it's now based off of everybody's crop insurance data. They compile that, and we take the county average, or the RMA does, and they come out with that about the middle of June. And so if there's yield loss plus revenue losses, um, that happens automatically. There's nothing a producer has to do to file for a claim in that part of it. Wow, so so much, I'd say almost real time then, huh? Absolutely. Uh, the, the RMA uh, government, they, they want producers to have these valuable tools at their disposal. We encourage everybody to take the time to learn as much as they can about ECO to determine if it's going to be a good fit for their operation or not. That is the guy you want to talk with for sure about ECO, Enhanced Coverage Option. That's Tom Timko. He's an insurance product officer with Compure Financial. And remember, if you need to evaluate your individual farms, run the numbers, no better place to start than visiting with your Compure agent. And you, of course, can find more details about locations near you, loan officers ready to help, and those insurance products that Compure is always working to 